We're kicking off our anthem series this morning, and we're so excited. It's one of our favorite sermon series of the year. If you've never been here for it, this is what we do. We take a song that contemporary culture is singing and kind of is really popular because it's on the Hot 100, and we compare and contrast it to a psalm in the Bible. It gives us an opportunity to see where the Bible can speak into our life in a relevant and modern way, and it gives us an opportunity to see what culture is saying. It's a great sermon series that allows us to really dig into some deep spiritual truth, and we're excited you joined us on week one. This week, we're going to be singing Can't Have You by Shawn Mendes. We would encourage you, sit back, relax, enjoy the performance, and get ready to hear an awesome song.
my name is Nate Gagney. I'm the lead pastor here at Restoration Church, and uh, I, this is my first Sunday. Uh, I, I didn't preach any Sundays in August. Um, we took those weeks off. It was good and helpful for me. I noticed by the end of that vacation and that time off, I was only drinking one cup of coffee a day, which is just, you know, just know you've been rejuvenated when you're drinking coffee for enjoyment and not, like, to survive. Well, moments ago, the band sang the song Can't Have You by Shawn Mendes. And that song, if you've never heard it before, um, you don't go shopping, uh, but because uh, you'll hear it playing in the stores all the time. It is one of the songs from this series. It's on the Billboard Hot 100. We like to take this, a song that culture's singing now, everybody's listening to, and take a song that is found in the Bible. And, um, and then sometimes either contrast the two or compare the two. And sometimes a song that culture's singing is the same exact idea that's already in the Bible. And so people have no idea. I, I love this idea. And we're like, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's been in the Bible for a couple thousand years. And, and so we're able to talk about and connect those dots. Sometimes in these songs, they're singing about something that is completely opposite to what God wants from you and what God has for you or, or what God teaches. And so we're able to say, hey, this is what everybody believes, but here's what God's telling us is true. And then and like, and what will happen today is sometimes there's a song that has a great idea and a great feeling and a great thought behind it. But when we compare it to scripture, we see that it's kind of like a sub, a sub feeling or, or it's, a, it's a lesser idea than actually something that God has for us. And that's what happens in this, in this week's song. In this song, Sean Mendez is singing about really being infatuated with someone. He's met them, they've fallen in love, and, and, he's, and he's just, I, you know, I can't stop thinking about you. I'm supposed to be writing songs, but every song I write, I'm writing it about you. I'm supposed to be doing work, but now, you, but, you know, but now I'm thinking about you. I'm supposed to be going to sleep, but now I'm reading all the texts that you send me. And this is what he's talking about, this infatuation. He's talking about these romantic feelings, which are great and a lot of fun. You, you know, if you've ever been... If you've ever felt that, if you've ever been in love or, or been infatuated with someone, these are good feelings that we really enjoy. I remember when I was 16 years old, I, um, I, I got my, I, I had my first real date, all right? And uh, I actually, I had a job, I had money, and, and no parents were driving us anywhere. And so the day I got my driver's license, that night I had my first real date. I had it scheduled ahead of time. So getting the license, taking the girl out that night, I remember... When I brought her home that night, and uh, this was the 1990s, so, so anyway, I walked her to her doorway, and um, I was really, I wanted this to go well for me. And when I walked her to the doorway, I said good night. I was not prepared for what happened next, as so she kissed me on the cheek goodbye. And I remember being stunned, like, I, I didn't think this would ever happen to me. And as I walked to my car, I was like just... I couldn't stop. I can't believe I, she just kissed me on the cheek. I can't believe I got in my car. I drove, uh, you know, 35 seconds home, and, and I was just, like, stunned in my driveway. And I went to bed thinking about it. I woke up the next morning thinking about it. I probably spent the next four months thinking about it. And, and it's these feelings that we have in our life that we, you know, that we never want to go away. And we can think, and, and a lot of people do believe that these romantic feelings are the greatest feelings you can experience in life, and so they chase those feelings. But I think we know that those feelings go away, 
um, if, you, if you're married, those feelings of infatuation, um, they went away. They were replaced with something much greater and something much deeper, but even those greater feelings can vanish. And because people chase romantic feelings, they chase the butterflies, I want, you, you know, I want to feel like I used to feel again, people will make some pretty uh, drastic and terrible decisions in their life. So someone will say, if you, you could be happily married, you've got kids in the home, you're established, and someone says, I'm not in love with you, and that's a feeling, and what they're describing is a feeling, I don't feel warm fuzzies about you anymore, so I'm going to marry the neighbor and uh, move in next door. Don't be surprised if we put up a fence, you know, and, and they just, you're just like, hey, I don't feel any feelings. I want to go feel feelings, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave everything I have, everything we have, anything the kids might need or want, I'm abandoning it at all because, thi because this person sends me heart, uh, uh, emoji with hard eyes, and so I'm just going to chase after that. And people do. This is crazy. People do this. And, and what they're essentially describing, is, or, or, and when people say, like, you know, I'm not in love with you. I've fallen out of love with you. Um, I'm leaving you. What they're, what they're saying is that romantic feeling is this peak experience in our life. To be in love, to feel feelings of love, and I need to have those feelings, and so I'm going to pursue those feelings almost at all costs. And uh, even eventually, um, people can be, can be married for decades and decades, and they say, I just want to be happy. They can end the relationship. There's, there's no abuse. There's no infidelity. There's no um, uh, um, you know, uh, emotional abuse, anything, just, a, just feelings that no longer exist. So I'm going to pursue something else. What, we, what we're going to see in the passage of Scripture that we're about to read is David talking about a relationship. He's talking about, um, he's talking about things that he feels and things that he believes, but, but really something far greater than just, uh, you know, just an infatuation or a crush or even, um, even a great relationship that so many of us have and that um, so many can experience. He's talking about something that's beyond that and something that's greater than that. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter 16. And this is a song that uh, has been sung in, it was sung in churches for uh, uh, thousands of years. It's written by a guy named David. Uh, he wasn't the only guy who wrote songs in the Bible or wrote psalms, but he wrote this one. And this was written somewhere in the time frame, we're not sure exactly, but around 500 BC. So it's from a long time ago. And he is talking to us about this idea um, uh, or about what is it that brings satisfaction in life, what is it in us, um, or what is it that we can experience that can lead, um, that, you, you know, it would be something that we want and something that we want to pursue. So Psalm chapter 16, I'm going to start reading at verse number one. We'll read through the entire song, and then we'll talk about it. So David writes, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. 
Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me, even at night when my heart instructs me. I know that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. You will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. So uh, uh, this song was originally written in Hebrew. It's been translated here into English for us. And, and again, it was written um, uh, several thousand years ago. So you, you see some of the themes as he's talking about what it looked like in his, in, in his life, and his culture. And he's talking about God. Now, this psalm is, uh, it connects with a few other psalms. And there, the, these songs of psalms that are in the Bible can be grouped together. They're, they're sometimes of similar themes. They can be at similar stages of life, and um, they can be similar styles of writing. So this one, Psalm 16, is connected with a few other psalms. And one pastor wrote this in describing this psalms and the other ones that it's grouped with. He says, the dominant feature of each of those psalms is a quiet confidence in God as the source of life's highest satisfaction. Look, look at that yellow part again. God as the source of life's highest satisfaction. I tell you what, that is, that is a different idea than uh, some of you have never heard anything like that before. That of all the things in life that bring satisfaction, of all the things in life that there is to enjoy, God is the highest source of that. Do you think about, um, you think about uh, uh, driving four-wheelers, you think about Atari 2600, um, you think about, you know, shopping at a mall, and God is the highest source of anything you could pursue, of anything you could experience. God is the highest source for any individual to find satisfaction. That's a different idea. Even sometimes as Christians, people don't believe that. They may have a theological understanding, so they have a belief. Yeah, I understand the Bible says God's the highest source, but practically, they don't have a personal revelation of that. And by that, I mean they don't have any personal experience with that. I believe God, you know, and, they, and it maybe even they just think, well, one day I'll get to heaven and I'll experience that. But right now, there's no good thing in my life. I've never enjoyed a day of church. I've never enjoyed a day with God. And I know, I understand the Bible says that, but in my life, I've never felt that. And this causes people who even know and follow Jesus, when they don't believe he's the highest source of satisfaction, they can begin to pursue things that they maybe they never would have before. And it can lead us to walking away from God. It can lead us to um, uh, uh, lowering standards in our own life. And it can lead us to just, again, we're trying to pursue feelings instead of pursuing God. We don't trust him as the source of life's highest satisfaction. Well, here's a question, all right? You don't have to answer this, but think about this. What, what makes God so good? 
what, what is it about him that for people like us, we can know him, experience him, and find the greatest satisfaction there is to experience in life in him? How, what, what is it about him? You know, is it just because he's big? Is it just because he holds the whole world in his hands? Is it, is it just because we have to? Or is there something else about him that we can experience and understand and enjoy? Now, there's some big famous ideas about God that, um, you know, when we think about why is God good that we can understand. Uh, one is his love. God loves you. And so that's, a, that's one reason why he's so good. And, and maybe you've never known that before. I want to make sure that you understand that God loves you. Not the idea of you. Like we have the idea of, you know, maybe we should have another kid and then you regret it later. Um, it's not the idea that God, it's not the, this idea that God loves you that's like, oh, that's so nice. God loves me. I'll write that in cursive and, and hang it above my, my kitchen sink. But it's, it's really truly that God knows who you are and he loves you. He knows about all those wrong things you did. He knows about all those weird quirks you have. He knows about all those bad habits you haven't told any about. He, he knows, you know, that you eat Ritz crackers in bed at midnight. He, and, and you get the crumbs all stuck in your neck and on your pillow. I didn't do this. My roommate in college used to. He, but he knows all those things about you. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be like, Steve, are you eating? <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are you eating? Peanuts. I'm like, you're cracking peanuts out of the shell at two in the morning and eating them in your bed? Could you do it quieter, please? I'm trying to sleep. So anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, this is not a joke. Steve, what are you eating tonight? Rice Krispie treats. Okay, this is good. Um, so we, there's all these, uh, all, uh, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> It's time for another vacation. Uh, so there's a famous reason God loves us. That's one reason he's so good. And you can experience that. He'll show his love to you. Another reason is he sent his son Jesus. That's a famous one. And without that, man, we really, we've, we, we have nothing without that. And so God wanted relationship with us. He wanted forever with us. Eternity, the life after this one, he wanted that with us. But we had, we had to have freedom and forgiveness from our sin. So he sent Jesus, his one and only son. So, he, so Jesus left heaven, became and put on flesh, became one of us. He existed before he was a born, baby born in a manger. And lived a life we couldn't live, died on the cross, that, uh, the cross that we should have died on. That if we would simply ask him to forgive us and make the decision to follow him, we would be saved. So that's, that's a pretty good reason why God is good. He loves us. He knows us. He gave his son for us. But you know, there's a lot of lesser known reasons why God is good. And that's what David wrote about in this song. So if you, if you can't open your Bibles back up, um, in Psalm chapter 16, I want to look through a couple of the verses in the song, a couple of the lines in this song. And uh, we'll read it and I'll tell you kind of what that means and why this can be helpful for you today, what God wants to show you um, about himself to you today. So verse number seven, we see one of the first of these lesser known reasons why God is good. 
And he says, I will bless the Lord who guides me even at night, my heart instructs me. And what David is writing about in the song, when he's saying, hey, God's the highest source of satisfaction, one of the things he points to is God's counsel. That God's able to give him advice, God's able to speak into his life, God's able to direct the steps of his life. And that's one of the, the ways to experience satisfaction in life, and that's one of the ways to experience the goodness of God. Now, I asked a couple of longtime Christians, probably over 50 years of following Jesus between the two of them, and um, I said, what is so good about the counsel of God? Why is that a good thing? And they both just gave church answers, and I, and I began to, no, what, what really, why is that good for you and for me that we, that, that we are able to experience and have the counsel of God? Now, here's, here's one of the reasons why that's a good thing. God... When he looks at your life, he's able to see the beginning of your life and the end of your life. And so when he gives you counsel, when he gives you instruction, he's able to give you perfect instruction. Because he knows where you're going to be. He, 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 never in your life will God send you down a wrong turn. So it's like you're driving through town and then and God says, hey, take a left here. You get in, it's a dead end. He's like, oh, whoops, that must be the next turn. And like, turn around, do a U-turn, and you get going. God, when he's directing your life, it's not like you and I trying to make our way through Boston. He knows beginning to end exactly where he's going to take you. And there may be times he tells you to go down dead-end streets, but that's not because he doesn't know where he's sending you. But I, I don't know why he's sending you down a dead-end street, but you know, just to show you the neighborhood. Who knows? It, but he's doing it deliberately with an end in mind, and he's going to bring you exactly where he wants you to be. Well, that's pretty good. In relationships, in romantic relationships, we can get advice from the person we're, we're falling in love with or the person we're in love with. And so you could be the boyfriend who, whose girlfriend now picks out all of your clothes. And she's like, um, what are you wearing that doesn't match? And you're like, what do you mean it doesn't match? Everything's gray. She's like, do you know you're colorblind? And, then, and, so, and, and so they begin to... They begin to pick out your clothes and help you. Uh, maybe you're, you, you just never change. They begin to help you with personal hygiene. And they begin to <laughs> instruct and give you advice in that. Maybe, um, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're, uh, th this is something that stereotypically happens. The wife says uh, to the husband, what, how do you want me to do my hair? And then she does her hair the way he, he really counsels her to. This is what I like. I like the perm. I like the beehive. Why don't you do that? And then so you start wearing your hair that way according to his instructions. Now, here's the difference on this, the difference between God and us. God, uh, when we are giving advice to the person we love and we're giving counsel, here's what the wear, here's how to do your hair, we aren't giving it to them for their ultimate benefit we're giving them this advice for our own personal benefit. Put your hair in a beehive because that's what I like. It doesn't matter that everybody at work makes fun of you. Um, uh, you know, and they call you Marge. And uh, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. That's what I like. So it's my preference above, uh, uh, you, you know, above your career. And when we, even when your, your girlfriend is dressing you, and sure, there's benefit for you, but ultimately she's saying, don't embarrass me in public. We're going to a family event. You, you know, no, you can't wear that. And, and, and it's for their 
ultimate benefit. Now, when God gives us counsel, he's never manipulating us. And though everything he directs us to and everything he guides us to is for his glory, it's also simultaneously for our own benefit. God doesn't ask us to do something for just for, you know, for his glory and for his benefit, and we just have to suck it up and go along with it. When God gives us counsel, it is always for his glory, and always, there's always, uh, it is always for our benefit. So when God, when God, you know, your family, it's for his glory, and it's for your benefit. Your marriage is for his glory, it's for your benefit. Your income, it's for his glory, it's for your benefit. This church is for his glory, it's for our benefit. And so when he's giving instruction, man, he's giving it unbiased, and he's giving it, um, and, he, and he's giving it, it to us in a way that, man, if we, just, if we just trust him with the next step, he's going to bring us to the places he wants us to be. Now, the second thing we see here in verse number eight says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. What we see is an, an, another benefit in the way we experience the satisfaction of God is through his stability. Relationships are insecure. God is secure. When we begin, even in, even in a, uh, even if your marriage is great right now, if you leave it neglected, if you don't, if you don't um, uh, forgive each other if you don't. If you're not repentant of your own wrong, if you're not working on that relationship, it will disintegrate over time. Uh, so there's not a stability in your relationship. It may feel remotely stable, and if you keep working on it, it'll become more stable. But our relationships, even our best relationships, are more like being in a canoe with four boys, age ten and under. All right, there's a lot of rocking. Mom's doing a lot of yelling. Uh, you feel like you're going to tip over any second in the middle of the lake, and you should have waterproofed your phone. But this is what our relationships are like. But on the contrary, our relationship with God, he's stable. He's not going anywhere. He's not leaving anyone. You can put your trust in him. In a relationship where there's been a divorce, the chaos that comes from that divorce can, can affect people for years, for decades, even for generations. Because you're not expecting it, you're preparing. And if the, the spouse walked out on you, you're dealing with the fallout of that. Even in a great relationship, you love each other, the, you, you depend on each other, you've got each other back, you're faithful to each other, you're maintaining the, the fires of love. And, um, but, but even in those relationships, there can be a sudden death. And all of a sudden, you find yourself as a single parent. You find yourself as a widow with a loss of income, loss of your best friend. And now the instability of this life is, is just overwhelming you. These types of things can lead to a fear of abandonment. They can lead to anxiety. They can lead to poverty. They can lead to kids being at risk. They can lead to um, all kinds of 
dysfunction. But of relationship with God, we have this promise from him. A guy named Moses wrote down these words. This was not a song, but this was like a, 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 a part where he was writing. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses wrote, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So why is God so good? Because, man, he is always there. He's always there. There's not a moment where you need to call on him and, and you find out he's taking the last four weeks of vacation. Like, there's not a moment where you need him and he, he has to hurry up and get ready. There's not a moment when you need him where he says, hey, I'm too busy with this other country. There's a hurricane coming, don't you know? He's not too busy. And he's not, he's, his, and this is, I think this is the part for me that, um, it took me a long time to learn, but really messed me up in a good way. His love for you doesn't waver day to day. He doesn't love you more today because you're in church than he did yesterday when you were taking advantage of people's good prices at the yard sale. He doesn't love you more today because you're in church than he will tomorrow because you're in a dead-end job. He doesn't love you more today because you raised your hands during worship than when you raised your finger at people in traffic. God loves you. God loves you as much today as he ever will. And he will never love you less than he does today. Man, that's, that's stability. We've all, I, we, we all know someone who you don't know what mood they're going to be in. Is it going to be, you know, nice Nice neighbor or mean neighbor? Nice girlfriend or cranky girlfriend? Um, uh, is it going to be, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of things without getting myself in trouble. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the crazy manager or, or the good manager? You never know. You're walking on eggshells. God is not that way towards us. Verse number nine, he writes, David writes, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. And he's talking about the security of God. Just, there's not insecurity. Security is safety, there's protection. There's, you just know who he is. You know what he's going to do. You know what he thinks about you. And uh, man, the peace that that brings in our life knowing who he is, knowing he's got us, knowing that he's taking care of us. Man, can't even believe how, how good that is. Uh, one of the lines in the song that's pretty interesting, he says um, uh, in the Shawn Mendes song, he says, it doesn't matter because I'm so consumed staying up all night reading texts from you. And so this is obviously kind of early in the relationship because she's texting him back. I don't know if you've ever, I've heard, definitely heard people talk about being ghosted and you text someone and then it's just, they won't, they won't text, talk to you again. I've heard of some of the girls in this church doing it to some of the guys in this church. So <laughs> they got to me, I heard of it. And um, sorry, dude. Uh, but, uh, but it, it can, it can be, there, and it's a real anxiety point of a relationship where it's like, what, they're not texting me back. Why are they not texting me back? Um, 
should I should I make him a text with a fake typo so I can text him multiple times? And and you just like, what do I do? I'm insecure. I don't know. I don't, what does this mean? And so just imagine this line of the song. I'm staying up all night waiting for texts from you. And and one of the kind of interesting things about this, we think about God. My dad made the decision. My dad heard about Jesus and started following Jesus when he was in his early 20s. He never, he didn't go to church. Um, he, I mean, he never, he, he was not like me, you know, so I grew up in church. My dad didn't go to church. He was a welder. He worked in a fabrication shop and he, you know, you live for the weekends. That was, that was my dad. And um, he ended up being introduced to Jesus and led to a relationship with Jesus through a coworker. And when my dad, as a young guy in his 20s, who, who was a welder and, and drank beer on the weekends, when he heard about Jesus and made the decision to follow Jesus, he spent the next two weeks of his life reading through the entire Bible. So in two weeks of being saved as a guy who has just barely had a high school education, um, and had no aspirations of reading or education, read through the entire Bible. And it's, it's this, like when you know God, you're st- it, it, staying up all night reading this text from you, reading this letter from you, God. And when after two weeks, he read through the entire Bible again over the next two weeks. So within a month of coming to know the Lord, he had read through the entire Bible two times because it so changed his life. God so changed his life that he wanted to hear and understand everything that God wanted to say to him, everything that uh, God was about, everything that Jesus did. This is, a, this is so different. There's so much greater satisfaction than we get from the word of God, from knowing God, from following God, than we could ever get from heart emojis and, um, and, and words from that, you know, that girl you met over the weekend. The last thing we see in this is in verse number 11. And David writes, he'll show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. And we see God as the highest source of satisfaction because we can experience his presence. That you can in a, in a way that you recognize, in a physical way, experience God, feel God. And that's maybe, that can be surprising or that can be startling to people. Sometimes you, you've never been to church before, you don't know what's going on. And uh, I remember the story this lady told us, uh, we had bumped into her, she hadn't gone to the, the church in like maybe eight or ten years and we bumped into her, and she said, hey, you know why I stopped going to your church? And the answer was, no, we have no idea. Um, obviously, it wasn't the, because of the preaching. And so she, um, she, she said, because every time I came into your services, I cried the whole time. Well, think about that. This is not a funeral-type atmosphere here. So what would cause you to come into this place to hear all my jokes and, and, to, be, and to be in a place where you can't stop crying so you want to leave? Well, what this lady was experiencing that she couldn't understand was she was experiencing the presence of God. That God was saying, hey, let me, sh- let me give you, let me let you feel how good I am. Let me help you feel how much I love you. And she just wasn't ready. She, she did not want to follow the Lord. 
Uh, she did not want to allow God to move in the things in her heart that he was trying to, and so she, and so she bolted and, and it didn't go anywhere because she wasn't ready to deal with that. And so we can be praying with her that one day she will. But some of you have experienced this. You come in, you sit in, the, the band's playing the song, you're crying, and you're like, this is weird, I'm crying. I've never been to church here before. Um, um, and, and you're like, what is going on with me? Why am I such a mess? You know, what are they putting through the air conditioning here? It's just tear gassing me for the social media pictures. What's going on? And, uh, and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're wondering, why, why is this happening? Listen, because God is showing you. He's giving you just a small Costco club sample of his goodness. And if you can sit in an in a hour service and be like, man, I walked out of here. I want to feel that again. What God's trying to tell you is, listen, follow me. And there, listen, there's days they're not, there's not feeling. But just like, I, I, I was just in the greatest marriage. There's days that there's not feeling. Um, God, God's got that for you. He's got something for you. So man's going to come out and pray. And I want to, um, I just want to cl- close with, these couple of thoughts. David, the last, the last words of the song, I just read it. You'll show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. And then the last words, uh, and the pleasures of living with you forever. He understood God was the source of highest satisfaction. He made mistakes. He did things he regretted. He did things he had to repent. But he always went back to God because it was easy for him to say, Hey, I don't know what got into me. I don't know why I did that. I recognize, God, it's you. You're good. You're good. And you have good things for me. Um, uh, Here I am. Will you forgive me? And God does. But his son, he had a son named Solomon who also wrote songs in the Bible. Um, And uh, we, he he lived his life a little bit differently where uh, David said God was the ultimate source of satisfaction and really tr- lived his life that way. Solomon lived his life in the opposite way. He pursued, he, he just never really experienced in his life, as you read, God being the source of his satisfaction. He always chased other things. And um, he sought satisfaction in his work, but found it empty. You know, I'm going to build a nation bigger and richer than my dad, than, than this nation's ever been. Really, once he did that, it was like, okay, there's not a lot of meaning behind this. He sought fulfillment through wisdom. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to build libraries. I'm going to study. And then found it to be vain. He built a beautiful mansion. He landscaped it with a breathtaking garden. But then ultimately, it's like it just needed to be repaired. And it grew weeds. And he found no pleasure in it. He tried laughter and alcohol, but found these to just lead to madness. He had sexual pleasures that few men ever have experienced. He had 700 wives. He had 300 concubines. But still, there was no satisfaction in that. He had unimaginable wealth. He was the type of guy who couldn't spend his money fast enough that it kept growing. And so despite spending all his money as fast as he could, he just ended up with more and more money. But yet it couldn't buy him happiness. And he wrote about, all about this in a book that's in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And at the end of it, in chapter 12, verse 13, he says, and that's the whole story of my life. There's everything I chased. And now here's my final conclusion. After everything I've gone through, just fear God and obey his commands. 
for this is everyone's duty. And what he's saying is what David writes. It's like, all right, I've chased all these things. And you know what? God's the highest source of satisfaction in your life. Now, he could have just listened to his dad and trusted his dad. But we don't know why. Either he didn't trust his dad or David didn't teach it well. Um, or, or he was just stubborn to say, I'm not taking your word for it. You're just telling me that because you're trying to control me. You don't want me to have fun. I'm going to go find out for him myself. And what he found out was exactly what David was teaching. Listen, I don't know your background. I don't know what things you've done. I know we've got some uh, sixth graders in the room, and I just hope that you would hear this. Pursue God. Pursue God. And all those things that you've been searching for, all those things you're trying to been fill in your life, you'll find it in him. The last thing is I want to read you uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis, who is a Christian author who had come to Christ later in life. And he says about, he says this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. What he's saying is we're looking at our life. Is we look at our life and the things that, we're, that we've been chasing for all of our life. and We're like kids in the slum making mud pies and someone shows up and says, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to bring you on a holiday. I want to, um, you know, uh, I want to bring you to this place called Disney World. We've got the free passes, all the food, all the rides, uh, all the characters. Uh, I want to bring you there. And then we look at that and we say, I, I, I'm good with these mud pies. These are awesome. And we're like, they're like, (laughs) and, 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 and God's like, are you, are you, are you kidding me? Did you hear what I just, what I have for you? Infinite joy, ultimate satisfaction, peace that passes all understanding, forgiveness, everlasting life, heaven, mansions, joy, um, uh, healing. And we're like, nah, mud. Uh, I, I like this. And I just want to encourage you as we end this, and I, and, and I pray for you, why don't you, why don't you just lay down the mud pie for a little bit and just begin to investigate them. Just begin to investigate them. Just begin to find out. Just begin to talk to them. Begin to read the Bible and what he's written to you. Just begin to go after him. And you'll find it like David did, like so many of us have. It's true. There's nothing greater. There's no one better. There's nothing, there's nothing greater that you can experience in this life that will compare to knowing him, being loved by him, and having a relationship with him. If you're comfortable, you can close your eyes while I pray for you. Um, you don't have to. You're welcome to stare at me awkwardly. Um, uh, but I just want to take a moment to pray for you. We close our eyes in prayer because it helps us to, con- to focus on him. All right? It's not, there's nothing spiritual about closing our eyes. Um, so I just want to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for every person who's in here today. There are those who've never known you. They've never experienced you. Today's the first time they're hearing about you in, in a way like this, that you love them, that you want a relationship with them, that they can experience, experience you. And I pray, God, that they will, they will make that decision right now. It's not a difficult thing to do. All they, all they simply do is talk to you and tell you, all right, this is it. I've tried everything else, and now I'm coming to you. I want to relate. I want to, I want to follow you. I want to experience you. I want to know you. 
forgive all the things I've done in my life. I make the decision today to follow you. I pray, I pray for the people in the room making that decision right now. Jesus, you said that that, that simple couple sentence prayer is so drastic in our life. It's such a pivotal point of our life that it's as if we've been born again. Our life almost starts all over again, relearning what it is when we know you and, we, and we're loved by you and we're forgiven by you. Do that work in people's lives today. I pray for the Christians who are here who um, they've known you, they've experienced your satisfaction, but for some reason or another, they've just begun to make compromise in their life they just, for whatever reason, they haven't kept their relationship with you. They haven't kept themselves close to you. They begun to walk away. They begun kind of to go different, different ways. And um, I just pray at this moment that they just recognize that, like, wait a minute, God, why am I chasing all these other things when I can have you? And they come back to you today. They give up the mud pies today. And Lord, they, they let you. Um, uh, be the source of their satisfaction again, just like David had to. Just like David did at different times in his life. Lord, Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for everything you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, in, in each other's lives, and in our church. We absolutely love you, and we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.